stand on up. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world.
amen, amen. You can be seated just for a moment. This is the day the Lord hath made. We will what? Rejoice and be glad there in it. I also love that verse that says, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to God's house. And here we are in God's house. I, I haven't told you this, but every day when I walk through this new building and go through this entryway, I say out loud, I sure do love this place. And I do. I love Kavanaugh Church. But it, it's not just the building that I love. That's kind of foolish. What I really love is you because you are the church. Thank you so much for being here today. And if you are a guest visiting for the first time, there's going to be a connect card right in front of you on the chair back there with a pen. If you would just fill that out and after service, go through these doors, there's a connect counter. You give them that filled out card and we'll give you a Kavanaugh coffee mug and a gift certificate to Chick-fil-A. Man, what a deal. That's a pretty good exchange right there, man. So glad that you're here. Today we're going to recognize several things. The first thing that we want to recognize is longevity. I've been here 25 years as your pastor, and during those 25 years, for the past 22 years, Sister Sherry Stell has been the director of Kavanaugh Children's Center for 22 years. This past Friday at 3.30, we had kindergarten graduation, and uh, Miss Sherry hung up her apron. Uh, she has retired from Kavanaugh Children's Center after 22 years of wonderful, faithful service. She has done an excellent job. When she took the job 22 years ago, I thought to myself, why in the world would anybody want to take this mess over? Because we did have a mess, but it wasn't long until Sherry and Tim had things uh, straightened out and running smoothly. Yeah, Tim, I threw you in there, man, because you're part of this ministry. And it's been more than a job for Miss Sherry at Kavanaugh Children's Center. She literally has poured her heart, her soul, her mind, and her love into the parents and into the kids for the past 22 years. So it's kind of bittersweet. You're way too young to retire, so enjoy retirement. Whatever that brings into your life, y'all enjoy it. Uh, on Friday when she did retire in front of the uh, graduating class, we gave her 22 roses representing the 22 years. I hope they're still alive. Are they alive? Okay, good, good. Today we want to recognize you with, with this, it, and it's, it's just a token of our appreciation for the love that you've given to this wonderful ministry. Would you stand up and let Miss Sherry know that you love her? Amen. Appreciate her. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Tim, come over here. Come over, come over, here, on my, come over here on my bad side. I got my bad side, so I'll do you down here. I, I want to pray for Tim and Sherry. Would you pray with me that God bless their life and their future? Lord Jesus, I do love you today. Thank you for Tim and Sherry. Thank you for their home, their faithfulness, their love to you and to Kavanaugh Church. I'm thankful, dear Lord, that 22 years ago, she said yes to becoming the director of our Children's Center. Thank you, dear Lord, for her labor and her love. I pray that you would bless her and Tim as they enjoy the next years together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 Give them another big hand, would you? Love you guys. God bless you. Love you. Thank you. You can be seated just for a second. Uh, this, this, look at me, this is more than just a long weekend. 
This, this is a special weekend. Uh, tomorrow we remember those brave men and women who gave the ultimate sacrifice so that we could enjoy the freedom that we have today. And there is a huge difference between Veterans Day and Memorial Day. Tomorrow we remember those who gave their life for the freedom we enjoy in this country. We have a short video we're going to play for you that, that helps us get in the spirit of Memorial Day, and then we're going to pray together before we continue to worship. Enjoy this video with us, would you? To the brave men and women who stood up for freedom, who answered the call and fought for our nation, who paid the ultimate price and never came back. To the American soldier, we thank you. To the mothers and fathers who raised a hero, to the brothers and sisters with an empty space to the sons and daughters who have only memories, to the wives and husbands who bear the void with pride, to all who've lost a soldier they love, no gift could repay your sacrifice, no tribute could match our admiration, no word can contain our gratitude, but still it deserves to be said we remember you, we salute you, and we honor you today. Stand with me, would you? Stand with me. Let's, let's pray and thank God for the freedoms that we have and uh, pray for those families who have lost loved ones who gave their life for us. Heavenly Father, we do love you today. Thank you for this day in your house. Thank you for this weekend and what tomorrow means to us. Dear Lord, I, I know that we would have absolutely no freedom if it were not for you because you are the one who sets us free from the bondage of sin. But dear Lord, we are so thankful for those brave soldiers, men and women, who gave the ultimate sacrifice so that we could meet here today and enjoy your worship and your time with us. I pray, dear God, that you would bless our nation, bring healing to America, and I pray again, dear Lord, that you would bless those families who have lost someone precious to them. May you be honored and glorified in all that we do, say, and sing today, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Put your worship on, and let's give praise to Jesus now.
read a few verses from Isaiah 40. The Lord has no equal. Amen. Amen. Who else has held the oceans in his hand? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed the mountains and hills on a scale? Who is able to advise the spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice or to teach him? Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Does he need instruction about what is good? Did someone teach him what is right or show him the path of justice? No, for all the nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket. They are nothing more than the dust on the scales. He picks up the whole earth as though it were a grain of sand. To whom can you compare God? What image could you find to resemble him? Could he be compared to an idol formed in a mold, overlaid with gold and decorated with silver chains? Or if people are too poor for that, they might at least choose wood that won't decay and a skilled craftsman to carve an image that won't fall down. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Asked the Holy One. Look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after the other, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and his incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He doesn't grow weak or weary, and no one can measure the depth of his understanding. Our God has no equal. Our God has no rival, and there is nothing that can compare to our God. Let's sing what a beautiful name.
we admit this morning that without you, we're nothing. Father, we praise you. We praise you in this house for all the good gifts that you pour out on us, Father. Your name is powerful. You're awesome. Your name is wonderful. We just want to magnify you. You alone are worthy. There is no equal, no rival. You alone yes. are God. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that you are the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. Lord, we speak that this morning and we praise your name for who you are. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Jason, I'm going to call on you to help me out here if you would. Uh, Jason knows exactly where I need the pulpit, and so he's going to put it in place. What a powerful name, the name of Jesus. Amen? It is a name that is above every name. And I tell you, if you call on the name of Jesus today, he can change your life, save your soul, and give you an eternity in heaven with him. Amen? Amen. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you, man. Hey, uh, when I was a kid, one of the things that I hated more than anything else was uh, taking medicine, especially the liquid kind. Because, I, you know, I, I don't understand, Don, I don't understand, why, why couldn't they make medicine that tastes good, you know? It always tasted awful, it was bitter, but my mama would say as she was holding my nose and pouring it down my throat, it's going to make you feel better. It's going to solve the problem. Just take it. So Danny, that, this is kind of, I'm saying this because this is kind of like my sermon for today. It's going to be bitter in your ears. You're not going to like what I'm about to say, but it's God's word. And if we will heed it, if we will do it, you know what? Things are going to be better. All right? So keep that in mind. It is going to be better. I'm doing a series of the month of May on family I miss Mayberry. I miss the values of Mayberry, all right? I, I miss the simplicity of Mayberry. I miss family as a focus that was on Mayberry. But you know what? Our families are under attack, and we need the power of Jesus and the blood of Jesus on our families. So today, God has given me a, a word for you on resolving conflict in your families. And I knew it would get really quiet in here. You know what? These principles are for husbands and wives, for parents and children. But you know what? If you'll just listen and apply these principles to any relationship that you're in that has conflict, it works. There will be resolve in that conflict if you do what we learn from God's Word today. Conflict can hurt families. Conflict can damage families. Conflict can destroy families. Listen to the words of Jesus in Mark chapter 3, verse 25. Jesus said, a home filled with strife and division destroys itself. So if there is constant conflict, strife and division inside of your family, it will implode. It will destroy itself. 
The New King James translation says, a house divided against itself cannot stand. So if there is conflict in your home that goes unresolved, your family, your home is doomed. I really think it ought to be a mandatory law before anybody gets married that they are taught conflict management. Don't you think that's a good idea? We go into these things totally blind. How many of you, listen to me, how many of you, before you got married, somebody set you down and taught you how to fight fair? Well, just a couple of you, because you were counseled here at Kavanaugh Church, all right? But you know what? There ought to be a law against not doing that. Conflict is inevitable. God made us all unique. God made us all different. Therefore, we're going to have conflict. We have different desires. We have different tastes. We have different interests, different talents, different abilities, different temperaments. Therefore, there is going to be a clash in our families because we're all different. And today, I want us to learn three things about conflict. First, we're going to look at the reasons for conflict. Number two, we'll look at how we react to conflict. And then finally, most importantly, we're going to talk about the resolutions to conflict. So are you ready? Here we go. We're going to jump right in. Number one, the reason for conflict. Now, the Bible is very blunt about this. In fact, it says there is one reason you're having conflict with someone else. One reason only. And that is found in James chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Here's what the Word of God says. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your own desires that are battling within you? You want something, but you don't get it. And there it is right there. The cause of conflict in marriages and in relationships are competing desires. I want what I want. She wants what she wants. And they are competing. They're butting heads. We have competing interests and competing needs. Now, I don't know how many of you are going to relate to this. Does anybody out there have an electric blanket? Anybody still have one of those? You know, when they first invented those electric blankets, they were a big deal, and, and we had one. But the, the guy that invented them, or the woman that invented them, really wasn't thinking because in the beginning, they only had one control on them. What a dumb ideal, huh? Because we all have different body temperatures. We all like it one way or another. Some of us like it really hot, and others of us like it really cold. It's just not relating to you, so let me just do this. I'm fine is not an answer, okay? Understand, I am fine, it feels good, is not an answer. You're either too hot in here or you're too cold in here. And I want to see a, a, a raising of hands as we vote on How many of you, and again, oh, I'm perfect, it's fine, that doesn't count. How many of you think it's too hot in here? Raise your hand. How many, then that means the rest of you think it's too cold. Because again, there's no middle ground in this. You know what? We all have different body temperatures, don't we? And we all have different temperaments. In marriage, conflict is inevitable because we're just absolutely different. Have you ever heard that little phrase, opposites attract? Come on, guys. Have you also heard this one, love is blind? 
And let me tell you, in the beginning it is. All you're, all you're doing is seeing the other, other person with those googly eyes, and you're so in love that you don't realize that you're opposite. And three months into it, you wake up one morning and realize, what in the world have I gotten myself into? This person is totally different than I am. And you know what? That's just the way it is. God made us different, so there is going to be conflict. What is the reason for conflict? It's because we all have different desires, and those are battling inside of us. I want it my way, you want it your way. So number two, how do we react to conflict? And, and that's just not a general, ambiguous question. How do you, I'm looking at you. How do you react? When there is conflict in your home, how do you respond to that? When you and your spouse get into it, what is your reaction? Because you're going to react in some way or another. Now, you may not realize how you respond or how you react, but I guarantee you, your spouse is going to be able to answer that for you. You're going to feel one of these in a minute. Because generally, there is one of five ways you will react to conflict. What are they? Number one way is, and it's not the best way, I'm just listing it as number one, my way. It's one way of reacting. My way says I win. No matter what the issue is, I've got to win. I am going to assert my will over your will until you give in. I am totally right. You're totally wrong. It's my way or the highway. Yeah, that's the only one. And, and you just keep on fighting until you win. They either give up or get out. Are you with me? The second way is no way. No way. This way says I withdraw. I'm just going to back away from the conflict. I, I ignore there is a problem. I'm going to avoid conflict at all costs. The problem with this is nothing is ever resolved. And the issue just keeps getting worse. It keeps festering because you're always walking away from conflict. When it starts, you just leave the room. When it starts, you go to the bedroom. When it starts, you leave the house because you say, no way. Number three, your way. I give in. I roll over. I play dead. I want your approval so much that I pretend like I am a doormat and I always give in to your wishes. It's always your way. Now, if you're a number one person, which says my way, and you're married to a number three person, your way, you may think you're in heaven. But let me tell you, you're not. It is a very frustrating way to live, and sooner or later, the volcano is going to erupt. Then there's number four, halfway. You compromise. I give a little, you give a little. You win some, I lose some. I'm going to choose where we go to eat today, you choose where we go to eat tomorrow. And you might say, well, that's great. Well, I can say this, it's better than the first three, but it's not the best. The best way is number five, not my way, no way, your way, halfway. The best is our way, our way. We work out our problems together. You see, I, I not only care about the issue we are arguing about, and not only do I care about me or you, 
What I care about is us. And I love you. In fact, you look really pretty today. I told, I told her this morning when she walked in, I said, you look just like a teenager. I love you. And I care about you. I care more about you than I do this problem we're arguing about. And what I want more than anything is a resolution that benefits my family. Not just me, not just you, but us. Let's come to a resolution that is going to honor and glorify God. And let me tell you, it takes a long time and a lot of sacrifice and a lot of learning and maturity to get to our way. You may not be there yet, but you know what? With some work, you can get there. And that brings me to the third point for this morning, the resolution of conflict. We, we've learned the reason of conflict. I want what I want. You want what you want. We've learned the reaction to conflict. It's my way, no way, your way, halfway, or the best way, which is our way. So let's spend the rest of our time this morning talking about resolution of conflict. I want us to look at the Bible and notice the five steps on how we resolve conflicts. So get out your piece of paper and your pen. If you don't have one, take that guest card in front of you. And for this one Sunday, you can write on it, all right? Just everybody get something to write with. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are we ready? This is how we resolve conflicts. Number one, you need to get your heart right with Jesus. It starts with you. You need to commit your life to Christ. You, you need to be saved. You, you need to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. This is the starting point. Listen, everybody look at me. There is no way you can have peace with other people until you have peace with God. That's where it all begins. The Bible says, if I'm not a Christian, if I have never committed my life to Jesus Christ, I am at war with God. The biblical word is enmity. I am at enmity with God. I'm fighting against God. I'm struggling against God. I am in conflict with the Holy One, the creator of the universe. I'm doing my own thing. I'm doing what I want to do. And I am having conflict with God on a vertical relationship. And this conflict with God vertically is going to spill over into all of my relationships horizontally. And there is no way I can have peace with you until I have peace with God. Now, a whole lot of marriage problems would be solved immediately if everybody in their family got their hearts right with Jesus. If everybody in the family was saved, and if all of you, and I'm going to use this term again, if all of you in the family, husband, wife, kids, if you surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, now, I love that phrase, surrendering to the lordship of Jesus. What it means is this. You take your hands off of the steering wheel of your life, and you get in the back seat, and you allow Jesus to have the steering wheel of your life. He's driving your life now, and you have surrendered to his lordship. And if everybody, if, listen, husbands and wives, if you would just take this first step and get your heart right with Jesus, 
And if your family would gather around the throne of Jesus, I can guarantee you a big change will come into your home. There will be harmony and unity. And so please don't put that off any longer. It is the foundation. You need to do it today. You need to open up your heart to Jesus Christ. Now, I've said this so many times that you get sick of me saying it, but I'm going to say it one more time. When Jesus Christ's spirit is living inside of me, and Jesus Christ's spirit is living inside of you, the Jesus inside of me is not going to be fighting or quarreling or arguing with the Jesus inside of you. So if you and I, if we're into it, and we're arguing and we're fighting and there is a quarrel in our life, it's because the sinful nature has taken over. I want what I want, you want what you want. But when we surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, there's going to be unity and harmony. So here is the foundational step. Get your own heart right with Jesus. You know what? You can't change your spouse, but you can change yourself. So number one, get your heart right with Jesus. Number two, you need to talk to God about the problem. You need to pray about the problem. You need to talk to God before you talk to the person you're upset with. You need to pray to God about it and admit it to him. Lay it out before him. You know what? You may end up solving the problem right there as you talk to the Lord about this issue. Let let me read to you James chapter 4 verse 2. James 4, 2, you quarrel and you fight. You do not have because you do not ask of God. Again, do you understand that God has got to be the center of your life? And when everything is revolving around God, there is going to be unity and harmony and peace. But you get outside of the will of God and all of that dissolves. So talk to God about it. Get God's advice. God... You know what, you can, you can watch Oprah, you can watch Dr. Phil, you can come and talk to Brother Will. But the one you really need to be talking to is Almighty God. You talk to the Lord about the problem. Here's what I've discovered. Many of the conflicts we have in life occur when we expect other people to meet the needs which only God himself can meet in our lives. Many times we're looking to other people to meet our needs. And God says, wrong. (laughs) They, They were not meant to meet those needs in your life. They can't meet those needs in your life. I am the only one who can meet those needs in your life. I've heard people say, well, if I just get married, all my needs are going to be met. Or if I just meet the right person, then all my needs will be met. No, they won't. Because no matter how perfect that other person is, no one is ever going to meet all of the needs that you have in your life. They can't even touch the greatest needs that you have in your life. You see, God made all of us. Raise your hand if you're one of all of us. Come on, participate, audience, participate. God made you with this God-sized hole in your heart. And our problem is we try to fill that up with everything else, even other people. The only thing that fills that hole up is God himself. And when we're asking other people to fill up that void, 
in our life, it's, it's wrong. It's not right. And God is saying, no, no, that can't happen. A, a telltale sign of us doing this is anger. Anger is like a red flag. It's a warning light that says, you know what? I am expecting somebody to meet my needs, but only God can meet those needs. I'm asking someone else to be God in my life, and that is so unfair because they can't be God in your life. So step number one, resolving a conflict, get your own heart right with Jesus. Step number two, you need to pray to God about it. You know what? Here's what I've discovered, that when I lay it out before the Lord and, and pray to God about it, sometimes, sometimes he turns things around on me and says, well, you know what? You're the problem. And that brings me into step number three. You need to analyze the problem. It, at some point, you need to step outside of yourself and you need to view this issue and this conflict objectively. Ask yourself, how much of this is my fault? Before you start accusing and blaming and attacking, Jesus says, look at your own heart. Am I the problem? Am I the cause for this issue? In fact, listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 and following. Why then do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the log that is in your own eye? Take the log out of your own eye first, and then you'll be able to see to take the speck out of your brother's eye. When you're in a conflict, before you start getting the sawdust out of your wife's eye or your husband's eye, why don't you try to get that telephone pole out of your own eye? Am I the problem? Am I being too demanding? Am I being unrealistic? Am I being oversensitive? Am I being impatient? Am I the problem? And, 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 and please, understand I'm saying this out of a heart of love. If you have constant conflict, not only with your spouse, but with everybody else, and there's always an issue, there's always a conflict, you know what? You need to step back and objectively look at this and say, okay, what's wrong with me? Because apparently there is something wrong with you. There is no such thing as a one-person problem in relationships and in a family. Family problems are not just your problem, they're our problems. If it, there is a problem, it's our problem. Here's what the Bible says in 1 John 1, 8. If we say that we have not sinned, there is no sin in our lives, we're just deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. So here's what we need to do. We need to be honest and realize, you know what? It does take two to tango. And if there is a problem in this marriage, part of that responsibility falls on me. I am part of the problem, but I'm also part of the solution. God made us all different. We've all made mistakes. We all do dumb things. We all say things that we shouldn't say. So we need to take responsibility for that. After you've done these first three things, you've committed your life to Jesus, you prayed about it, you analyzed the problem, then you can move on to step number four. And if you haven't liked any of these so far, you're going to hate this one. You need to have a peace conference. 
a set-down, face-to-face, face-the-issue conference where you deal with what is the problem in this relationship. Conflict is seldom resolved accidentally. In fact, I'm, I've, been, I've been thinking back all week on all the conflicts I've had with other people. You know what? I can't remember a single conflict that just accidentally healed itself. You have to be intentional about this and deliberate about it. It, it doesn't just happen. So you sit down and you face the issues. Now, again, everybody look at me. Get your motor going again. I'm just going to be honest with you and tell you, I have a hard time with this because I hate conflict. And if I know I've got to sit down with somebody and resolve a conflict, I get sick at my stomach. I don't like it. I, God wired me that way. I don't like conflict. But I know unless we have this sit down, face-to-face talk, it ain't going to get fixed. And so is the relationship worth it? And if it is, I've got to plan a peace conference. Jesus was talking about going to church one day and the priority of getting things right with other people. And here's what Jesus said. If you go to church and if you remember your brother has something against you, leave your gift in front of the altar, go make peace with your brother, and then come back and offer your gift to God. That's brutal. Again, what he's saying is this. You come into the house of God to worship him. You've you've got your gift of of worship that you've brought to the Lord. And and you bring that gift down to the altar. And and you know something's not right. You feel it in your soul. Something's not right. You're sitting there in your chair. And you just, you feel, you know, things aren't right today. I I really wish Miss Miss Angie would have worked with that praise team a little longer this past week because they just don't sound right today. That that ain't touching my heart. That preacher, good grief, I get so sick of listening to him speak. That is, I'm, I'm wasting my time. I need to be home watching that baseball game right now. No, maybe the problem is not with the praise band. And maybe, just maybe, the problem is not with Brother Will. Maybe the problem is in your heart. I don't know, maybe. Maybe the problem is an unresolved conflict with your spouse. Ain't nothing worse than getting in the car on Sunday morning and driving to church and getting into a knockdown, drag out fight with your spouse on the way to worship, right? That's why Miss Angie and I drive separate cars on Sunday mornings. Here's what the Lord is saying you come in here and you know things are not right in your own heart. And the reason is there is an unresolved conflict. Here's what Jesus said you leave your gift on the altar you walk out that door you find the person that you have a conflict with you resolve the conflict you get it right then you come back in and worship me oh my lens guys listen you cannot worship effectively with unresolved conflict in your life so have a peace conference 
And, and let me tell you where this really hits home. First Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Husbands. How many husbands we have in here? See, you're afraid to raise your hand now. <laughs> make peace with your wife. If there is a conflict, you make peace with your wife. The verse goes on to say at the very end, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Now guys, let me tell you, that, that is really interesting to me because some of you, if you're not in harmony with your wife, you know what it's doing? It's hindering your prayer life. Some of you are praying for God to change your marriage, change your business, for answered prayer, and you're not seeing any answers to your prayer. Well, it's not going to be answered until you get that problem solved. Wow. The Bible says disharmony in the home hinders our prayer life. So what do we do about it? Well, you get saved. You pray about it. You analyze the problem. You sit down having a peace conference. You deal with it. And then number five, this is the last one. So if you hadn't said amen, you can say it now. Amen. Get, get me out of this. Number five, don't give up. Don't give up. Never, never walk out in the middle of a fight. Finish your fights. You stick with it. You see it in till it's resolved. Conflict resolution is never easy. But it's worth it. As I've done marital counseling, I've, I've really seen three stages in a conflict. First is recognition. Yeah, we got a problem. And for some people, it takes a major step to get there because they, they, they will not admit they have a problem. But you know what? There, there's a problem. We've got to do something about it. Stage two is reaction. Oh, this is a lot worse than I thought. And you sit down and have a peace conference, and it explodes. Voices are raised. Words are said. Old wounds are reopened, and salt is poured into them. There are hurtful things that come out, some bitterness, some resentment, some anger, some frustration, fears, irritation. But the third stage is resolution. You actually work through it and do something about it. But the problem I see over and over is in many families, we never get past stage two. They recognize there's a problem. They sit down having a peace conference trying to talk about it. But all of a sudden, the tempers rise. Emotions are blown out of proportion. And somebody says, I ain't going to listen to this no more. And they walk out the door. They leave the room. And the problem is never resolved. You know what? You know what happens there? It just gets worse. No, you got to stick with it, dude. You got to stay in there. It takes courage to work it out when every part of your body and mind is screaming, get out of this place. Don't put up with this. It, it takes courage to stay at the peace table. But you know what? Eventually, if you stay there long enough, you're going to run out of energy. <laughs> no, you're going to resolve the conflict. You, you get past stage two in the conflict where, where all the hurtful things have been said and, and you run out of energy and you finally say, you know what? Let's fix this. I, I see so many people short-circuit the resolution process because they don't stay with it. But listen to me, church. It is more rewarding to resolve a conflict than it is to dissolve 
dissolve a relationship. And you're going to do one or the other. You're either going to resolve it or dissolve it. You're either going to work it out or it's going to end. And that dissolve may not actually mean a divorce. It may just mean that you're going to spend the rest of your life miserable. Resolving a conflict is painful, but the rewards are far greater than letting that relationship die. So here's what you do. You, you claim Galatians 6.9. Galatians 6.9. You ready for it? Let us not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. And that's what you, you've got to determine. I, I am not going to give up. And you don't give up. You don't give up. So I don't do a whole lot of marriage counseling anymore. I don't know why. I guess word got out <laughs> that he's a horrible marriage counselor. I used to be pretty good at it, but then I just, I don't know, I just got old and grumpy and cranky. And, and when people come in for marriage counseling, they just want you to be gooey and lovey and listening. And I'm not that way anymore. I'm just, okay, guys. Here's, here's the problem. Here's the way to fix the problem. If you want the problem fixed, it's what you need to do. And so people don't come to me for counseling anymore. But I used to do a lot of it. I can remember counseling a couple years ago, and it was not at this church, so don't try to think of who it could be. <laughs> Different church. They came in, and for one hour, it's actually an hour and 15 minutes, it, it erupted. I mean, they were yelling and screaming. I thought they were going to get into a fisticuff and hit each other. I mean, it was, it was absolutely horrible. And when they got up and left, I, I sat there in my chair and I said out loud, I can, this is a long time ago, but I can still vividly remember, I said to myself, they don't have a chance. I'm not a betting man. I've never bet anything in my life. But if I were a betting man, Danny, I would have bet zero that they would have resolved that conflict. It was horrible. There was infidelity. There was no trust. There was hatred. There was bitterness. It was, it, it stunk. It stunk. But you know what? They surprised me because they came back the next week. And I could see a change in their attitude. And here's what happened. Literally, we went through this list. They got their hearts right with Jesus. They recommitted their life to Christ. They surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. They started praying about their family, about their marriage, about their life, about their problem. In fact, this is what their assignment was. Every morning before you go out in the day's activity, we sit down at the table and we read the Bible together and we pray together and we pray for each other. And before we go to bed at night, we're going to do the same thing, read God's Word and pray. And through their own admission, you know what, they did it out of spite at the beginning. They really didn't mean it, but they did it anyway. But you know what, sometimes, sometimes if you just do it, it's going to change you and it changed them. They were able to look at the issues from a different perspective. I got to noticing after the third or fourth time they came in, they were saying stuff like this. She, was, she said, I, I really didn't know that what I said affected him that way. 
He said, I, I really didn't know that I was being an irritant to her by doing that. See, what they, they were seeing it from a different perspective. They got their hearts right with Jesus. They prayed about it. They looked at it from a different perspective. And you know what? They, they sat down and had a peace conference. Every day, they sat down without raising their voices or without raising their temper, and they dealt with all of this junk that had gone on for years in their life. They laid it out on the table. And instead of my way, they decided we're going to do it our way. And they didn't give up. I didn't give them a chance. But you know what? Today, they're happily married. And they're still plugging along. It's because God can change your life, your marriage, and your family. So I don't know what's keeping you in your chair right now. We all need to be down at the altar. Look at me. There is no perfect marriage. There is no perfect marriage. There you go. I was waiting on her to say it. All of us are going to have conflict. It's inevitable. But you know what? We can work through it for the glory of God. So no matter how bad your marriage is or no matter how good your marriage is, you need to bring your marriage to the altar today. You and your family gather around the throne of Jesus and surrender to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Would you do that this morning? Heavenly Father, I pray in your holy name that you would speak to hearts and lives and change our souls today, Lord. There's somebody in this room that needs to be saved. They need to give their life to Jesus. All of us need to come and surrender to the Lordship of Christ to physically get in the back seat and allow Jesus to have the control will of our own heart and life. Lord, today we all need to come and pray for our families and our homes and our marriages and our relationships. And Lord, if there is a problem, I pray that today as we pray at the altar, you would give us your perspective on that problem. Help us to leave this place with a determination that we're going to have a peace conference. We're going to settle the issue. We're going to talk about it and not give up until there is a resolution. Lord, I love you. I love these people. Do something amazing in this room right now. In Jesus' name we pray. As you stand, why don't you just step out? Come to the altar. Let's pray together. Would you come? Come on. Don't wait, don't hesitate, don't rethink it. Just come and pray. all families to prayer <laughs> come on husbands take your wife by the hand y'all come and pray come and pray
Jesus, I love you. Thank you, dear Lord, for every person in this room, all listening online. Thank you for every marriage, every family, every husband and wife. Lord, I do know that the devil is attacking our families. He wants to destroy us. And one of the ways he does that is through conflict. I pray, dear Lord, that we would not allow the devil to dissolve our families, that we would fight for our family, that we would resolve any conflict that there is, and that we would bring praise, honor, and glory to Jesus in doing so. Lord, I love you so much. I do love every person in this room. May your blessings be on us as we go out of this place and live for you today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. God bless you for praying. Thank you. You may be seated. Amen, amen. Well, you know what? That was some pretty bitter medicine going down but I think it'll do us some good, don't you? Uh, Put it into practice. If you need marriage counseling, come talk to Brother Jason. He'd love to visit with you. No, you you call any of our pastors because we care about you. We do. We care about your family. We love you. When you leave this place this morning, make sure you drop your offering off in one of those black boxes. Again, thank you for supporting the ministry of Kavanaugh Church. Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, we're going to re-meet in here and all through the building. Great things are going to be happening. Saturday, this Saturday, are you a mama and have little ones? Any mamas with little ones in here? There is going to be a play day for you at Creekmoor Park, 1030 on Saturday. Just bring your little ones and uh, enjoy time with other mamas and other little ones. Got questions? Whitney, raise your hand. Talk to Whitney Barnett, my daughter. She's going to be doing that on this Saturday. Can't wait for that. Next Sunday, we're going to have Baptism Sunday. And I'm so excited about this. So if you need to be baptized, make sure you visit with one of our pastors. Uh, We need your name. We need to give you some instructions. And next Sunday, we're going to celebrate baptisms in both services. Isn't that cool? I'm excited about it. Hope you have a wonderful, great, super day. And remember tomorrow, those who paid the ultimate price and sacrifice for your freedom. All right? God bless you. You're dismissed.